Hello, welcome back. You are listening to Permission to Pivot. This is your host, Kayla McCall. I'm super excited. I feel like I haven't recorded in a couple weeks. We were in Portland visiting family for a few weeks, so I took a little bit of time away, but I'm super excited to release this episode today. This is one that I released two weeks ago, but something happened with the recording and it cut out such a huge chunk of our interview. And so I went ahead and deleted it and I re-listened to everything and make sure that nothing got left out this time. So I'm going to re-publish this because it's such a fun episode. This is our episode with Mallory and she talks about going from being a teacher to being an unstuck yourself coach, which means more about self-love, taking care of yourself and prioritizing what you need. And this whole episode is super fun. It does get a little bit spicy. There also is a part in there where I'm talking about, I'm rambling and I'm trying to think about a movie and I think it's one with Josh Hartnett now that I think about it called like 40 days or something like that. Um, anyway, so that's what I'm referring to in that part where I'm fumbling, trying to think of what I'm referring to, if that makes sense. Anyways, this one's really fun. I hope you love it. And we'll be back with normal episodes every Monday starting next week. So I hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful summer and let's get into it. Hello, Mallory. How are you? Hi, doing great. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, I know we were talking a little bit before I pressed record and I had to be like, I need to stop talking because we should talk about this <laughs> once we're recording because I love what you're going to talk about today. Um, I love the topic. I think it's important. And I just also know that everyone that I know that listens will be super excited about this topic too, just because it's a fun one. So um <laughs> I'm going to kick it off with my icebreaker question that I ask everybody. And that is when you were growing up, when you were little and people would ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? What was your response? I feel like this is perfect for this podcast because I literally wanted to be a ballerina, a painter, a writer, um, an illustrator. Uh <laughs> Love it. You're like, <laughs> I will do it all and have fun doing it. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> That's amazing. So you had all the ideas, all the, the pivots already in your mind of all the things that you could move around and do. Um, just a little bit about your backstory. So growing up, did you, were you a ballerina for a while? Did you do any of those things? Um, I, I mostly stepped into, I think that's the important thing to kind of note here is that I went through puberty really early. I was mm -hmm. nine. Okay. And so I was already developing a woman's body. So I was trying to do gymnastics and ballet and mm -hmm. feeling really uncomfortable. And so I did go more into writing. I actually, mm -hmm. you know, as a uh, college student, I worked for the paper, I interned at a paper and I thought that was the path that I was going on. And I was actually working at Starbucks, developed an issue with my shoulder and then said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go into teaching. And I know that's so out of left field, but like my mom was a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. Okay. My stepmom was a teacher. So it was kind of in my field. Mm -hmm. And then I actually taught eighth grade for about five years before I said, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. So you full on went to college to be a teacher. Yep. And okay. <laughs> and then you did that. But I think that that is very common, right? We are 
prone to do things that are comfortable. And for you, teaching was a comfortable thing. It's what everybody around you was doing. So it just kind of made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then fell into it. And then you didn't like teaching eighth graders. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually, it actually had nothing to do with the kids. Um, or very little to do with the kids. You occasionally get those, you know, that just like to push your buttons and all that kind of stuff. But I, but actually, those are the kids that I got along the best with, which mm-hmm. is really funny. <laughs> um, no, what did it for me was I was teaching English and history, and I wasn't enjoying teaching history. And I had a student, we did surveys at the end of the year, and I had a student straight up tell me that her favorite lecture that I had ever done was something from back in October. (laughs) She remembered my passion for a particular subject in history from October. Wow. And then said, I wish that I could have seen that passion like throughout the year. Oh, I read that and went, wow. Like, like that's pretty deep and insightful for a kid. Mm -hmm. And I went, I don't think I can muster it up. And I didn't want to be the teacher 30 years down the road that makes kids hate learning because they themselves are so miserable. Mm-hmm. So I left. And okay. quite a few different pivots from there. I worked as a virtual assistant for an online coach. And I remember thinking pretty early on, I was like, I could probably be a coach. But I was working the back end of the business and learning a lot actually through working the back end of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of briefly shifted into copywriting and social media management, also part of the back end of the business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, full fledged coach. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So um, during that time when you decided to quit teaching, what was that like? Was there a lot of life shifts that had to happen? Did you phase out of teaching or did you cold turkey? I'm done and go straight into virtual assisting. Was there some, you know, overlap there or. I, so there was overlap in the sense that I was starting to do, um, I was starting to do one-on-one coaching kind of Mm -hmm. towards the end of that, of that, uh, school year. Mm -hmm. So there was some overlap there, but essentially I, you know, you have to let them know at a certain amount of, Mm -hmm. at a certain time before the summer break so that they know. Yeah. So I quit in June and started virtual assisting in June. Okay. Okay. So you pretty quickly moved into that and then seeing like the back end. So you did virtual assisting for coaches is what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. And, and did you see something in those coaches that kind of lit you up and was exciting that, you know, I could do this, or this is something I would want to do. Absolutely. I definitely, I definitely saw the things that she was doing. And there was this part of me that was like, I would totally do this differently. How would Mm -hmm. I do this? And I started asking myself those questions, like, how would I create these courses? How would I, um, how would I have handled this particular situation? And it ended up being a pretty fun game for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I did finally kind of go on my own, um, yeah, it was just, it just sort of clicked, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So you're not just any kind of coach. Tell us a little bit about what kind of coaching you do. Yeah. So I mentioned, um, I think it was before we actually hit mm-hmm. record, but I mentioned that I was such a recovering people pleaser. And so my own journey, my own work on myself is what led me into self-love 
mm-hmm. and coaching from that perspective. The other thing that I like to talk about is being an unstuck yourself coach. And unstuck yourself is actually a bunch of different communities that my mentor created. And what she's done is she's basically created a space of amazing humans who are committed to their personal development, who are, you know, learning new tools and applying them. And we're all just super supportive of each other. And what she's done is taken for coaches who have been embodying the work and she's taken us and has made us coaches in that space as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing, really, really special space. So you learned most of what it is you're now coaching. You had a really great coach and mentor that you had been working with to do work on yourself in that you were like, okay, I want to spread this message and help other people. Yeah. And I really attribute um, a lot of the healing that I did do for myself and a lot of this coming into myself Mm -hmm. to the work that was done in the Unstuck Yourself communities. And I love being able to give back. Yeah. So what is, I would, what's your like ideal client? Like who, who are you working with mostly? I'm working with mostly women Mm -hmm. who have literally had this experience of waking up one day. They've done all the things. They checked all the boxes. They have the job and the career. They're making the money. Um, They have the partner. They have the children. They have the house. Maybe they have a nice car. Maybe that was something on their list that they needed to check off. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I've literally done everything that you told me was going to make me happy and I'm still not fulfilled. Yeah. So it tends to be... This is where you're going to do little things that are a little bit harder to explain. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, there is the one-on-one coaching aspect and there is a modality that I, if people are open to it, I lead them through. Uh, It's an emotional clearing modality called the spiral. And essentially what we do is we clear the emotional entanglements around the 22 most commonly most common emotions in the human experience mm-hmm. so it's emotional clearing modality kind of digging up and releasing from the body um any of those trapped emotions that are maybe holding us back and a huge huge influence on the work that i do whether somebody actually is ready to engage in erotic blueprint work or not um is the erotic blueprints because what are those yeah, so <laughs> I want to know. I know you're you're waiting. You're yes, waiting I'm ready. One. Yeah, so the erotic blueprints, and I do want to I do want to specify that um, I'm currently an erotic blueprint coach in training. That certification should be happening in around the next month. So, but at the time of this recording, mm-hmm. I am in training. But this has been such influential personal work for me and it influences actually how I coach whether whether we're actually doing erotic blueprint work or not mm-hmm. um, so the erotic blueprints are essentially a typing system sort of like the five love languages mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that um, but it's for what brings us to pleasure and passion mm-hmm. and what I found pretty early on was that what brings us to pleasure and passion in the bedroom are actually the same things that bring us pleasure and passion in life. And I think sometimes when I say the word erotic blueprint, everybody automatically goes sex. Totally, oh my God, yeah. they get, or they get a little uncomfortable. I see them uh-huh. kind of contract and constrict uh-huh. and they're like, I 
what do you, wait, what do you actually do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing that I just really want the listeners to understand about this is that eroticism, our erotic energy, that's our life force energy. That's the, that's the energy within us that like indulges in pleasure and, and indulges in life and, and just lives, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's our life force. And so there are five erotic blueprints and they are the energetic, the sensual, the sexual, the kinky, and the shapeshifter. And do you want me to talk about each of them? Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) So the energetic blueprint is turned on by spaciousness, anticipation, tease. And because they tend to be so energetically in tune, um, their superpowers, they can actually orgasm without even being touched. With the you know, energetic. I feel, I, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. I yeah. feel like I've seen, I'm trying to think like what movie, or I feel like there's always been this like funny little conversation around, like, obviously it, it is such a mental thing. Right. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. People can do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think it's, it's important to be, um, really cognizant about, you know, you can be energetic and not necessarily have that superpower mm-hmm. and you can be energetic or you can be one of the other blueprints and not even have that as a goal. I think mm-hmm. it can get really easy to be like, well, I have reached utmost sexual prowess by being able to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's just, it's another tool in the toolkit, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or it's mm-hmm. another pathway to pleasure. Um, so that is that is a superpower. On the flip side, the sort of shadowy side, each blueprint has a superpower and kind of a shadowy side to it as well. The shadowy side of the energetic is that because of that energetic attunement or that intunement, um, if they're approached too quickly, they can actually shut down and actually lose turn on. So that's the so that's the energetic. The sensual is turned on by all the senses. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, you know, setting up a space for intimacy, they probably have, you know, beautiful flowers in the room, rose petals um, kind of dribbled everywhere. Um, they might have berry white in the background, mm-hmm. like little pieces of fruit cut up on the nightstand or pieces of chocolate on the nightstand. And they're about engaging all of the senses. Mm-hmm. And their superpower is that because they want to engage all the senses, pleasure for them is a full body experience. It is, they have massive amounts of capacity for pleasure because they have all of these different pathways um, with their senses. The shadow side of the sensual is, this is the part of us that can get kind of in our heads. So they've created this beautiful space, the music is going, they have their flavors ready for their mouths, and then they strip down to their undies and then all they can think about is the fact that there are now clothes on the floor. <laughs> and they could get fixated on that or mm-hmm. they start thinking about their work to do list or is this taking too long am i taking too long do i smell okay you know that kind of stuff so that mm-hmm. can really um that, that can cause the shutdown in a um in a sensual you know the superpower for for these folks is that they don't need a highly erotic context in order to experience turn on they can go zero to 60 like that experience spontaneous turn on um, the shadow side to this one is that they can become so goal focused, like they are so ready for that orgasm, they are after it, 
And then if it doesn't happen, they feel like sex was a failure, like they failed. Um, the other thing is that they lose out on all of that pleasure that's available to them on the way to the orgasm. So that's the sexual. Now here's the kinky blueprint is the fourth mm -hmm. one. And again, this is another one where I say the word and people go, oh my gosh, what do you uh -huh. It's not necessarily BDSM, mm -hmm. rope slips, chains, all that, all that stuff. It can be, but basically the kinky blueprint is turned on by the taboo, anything that's taboo for you. So the example that gets used a lot is if you're used to having sex with the lights off, having the lights on could be highly, highly kinky. And I've had a lot of people in my sphere recently who take the erotic blueprint quiz and go, I'm testing really high in kink and I don't understand this result. And I, and so my question to them is, did you grow up in an environment where sex was talked about openly? And most of them say, oh no, absolutely not. We never talked about that. It was mm -hmm. like a shame thing. And I said, well, there you go. For you, anything sexual right now is taboo. So there you are, my kinky friend, yeah. talking about <laughs> sex in the open. Look at you go. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the superpowers for kink, kinky folks, is that they have massive amounts of creativity. Like there's so many avenues that kink can go into, right? The other thing is that because kink is so much about the taboo and pushing those edges, they tend to be really, really great at consent conversations because mm -hmm. there has to be a certain level of safety in order to push those edges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, consent is an all around thing, not just for this blueprint, but, yeah. you know, um, they tend to navigate those really, really well mm -hmm. because of the edges that kink pushes. Yeah. Being more open to talking <clears throat> about it because it doesn't seem because you're already doing the taboo thing. So maybe it doesn't seem as like embarrassing to talk about it. Yeah. The shadow to this one is that while they have this amount this ability for a lot of creativity, they can also get caught in a rut. Like, here's my fetish, here's my thing mm -hmm. that I know will get will bring me to pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that can really show up in this blueprint too is depending on what the desire is, it can come with a lot of shame. The last one is the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is turned on by all of it. The shapeshifter wants all of it and not just wants all of it, but actually needs all of it in order to feel fully satisfied. The great thing about this blueprint, the superpower of this blueprint is that they are fluent in all of the other blueprints. Mm -hmm. So they make fantastic lovers, highly intuitive lovers, because they just they're fluent in all the languages. It's like mm -hmm. being fluent in four, four speaking languages, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. fluent in four um, erotic languages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the shadow to this is that because they're fluent in all of it, they can pigeonhole themselves into whatever their partner wants. Um, so if they're highly sensual, they might shapeshift to become a more sensual lover to please the partner and then they themselves are left starving. Um, the other thing is that can crop up a lot for shapeshifters is that because they need all of it, they can sometimes get into that story of I'm too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or feeling like they're too much or that their needs are too much. There's actually a little bit of a 
jokey, silly type question that's circulating in the erotic blueprint community right now that is, are shapeshifters ever truly satisfied? Mm -hmm. uh, because again, fluent in all four, all of the blueprints, they can, you know, they also have a massive, massive capacity for, for pleasure as well. So, you know, two, three hours have gone by and everybody's like, okay, we're done. And the shapeshifter's yeah. sitting there like, hey, wait a minute, we just got started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's really interesting. I've never heard of this before. I've never heard, um, what is it called? The erotic blueprints blueprints. Yeah. yeah. I never heard of that before. I feel like it's very interesting. I feel like, like you said, when you're comparing it to like the love languages, I feel like it's important, like super important. And it's something that again, if you don't know about it, you don't, maybe it's hard to understand why maybe you don't feel connected with your partner or, you know, whatever. Cause I feel like it's like that with the love languages. Like I remember taking that quiz with my husband years ago and knowing that we are complete opposites with what we need and what we provide. Right. So you have to have that conversation because I don't want to be touched. <laughs> like not, not all the time. It sounds terrible, but my, I don't feel love and affection that way. Mm -hmm. And that's how he feels love and affection is by the physical touch and things like that. And if you don't have that conversation, then you're just missing the mark all the time. Right. So, you know, he might be trying to hold my hand or whatever. And for me, it's, you know, acts of service. It's like time together, things like that. It's just, it's totally different. And so I think this is such an interesting concept because I know with my friends and the age that we are, a lot of us have kids and we are going through life feeling like there's expectations always, and you should always feel a certain way, right? Like you're married, you love your husband, you should just feel this way. But the majority of us don't, you know, we're tired, we're this, we're that, we're whatever. And I think like these conversations would make such an impact because so many of us think there's something wrong with us. Do you get that a lot from women? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, per, to piggyback back off your conversation about the love languages, this is exactly what this is, is providing mm -hmm. language for, because it is quite common for someone who maybe falls a little bit more on the energetic, sensual side of thing and rem things and remember, mm -hmm. you know, this is about the senses and the energetic mm -hmm. needs to not be approached really, really quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm to be partnered with someone who's a lot more sexual. So the sexual is going to go mm -hmm. and the energetic is going to shut down. Mm -hmm. So what this does is essentially provide exactly that, exactly what you were talking about, language and um, practical application for the sexual getting what they need and the energetic getting what they need and being able to come together in love and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And feeling totally fulfilled and knowing, because, you know, it's, it's important. I think in, you would hope in your partnership that you care about your other person's happiness and fulfillment, you know, a lot. Uh, and so I think, yeah, if you have that kind of partnership, these conversations can be relationship changing. And I think it's, it's really cool. I'm really glad that you came on to talk about it because like I said, I think 
the general consensus when we sit down with like our group of friends is making the jokes about these kinds of things where it's like, oh my gosh, I just want a back massage and I don't want it to always turn into say, you know, like it's always those conversations where we're all laughing and joking about it, but it's a real thing. And I think as relationships progress and if these things aren't talked about, I'm sure that's like a big reason why people grow apart and why relationships aren't able to stay together because of just the lack of understanding. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point about the, I sometimes I just want to back massage and <laughs> yeah. I don't want it to turn into sex. And, mm-hmm. you know, for that person, I'm hearing a lot of sensual language because that's mm-hmm. the sensual, their, their type of touch that they tend to enjoy is that more massage contouring type of mm-hmm. touch. And so I'm hearing sensual in that language, but I would be so curious as to um, what their partner is possibly testing at and seeing if there's, so we have all of the blueprints within us. That's Mm -hmm. the other fun thing about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And they stack differently, you know, so my stack as it currently stands, and I'm saying currently because this can totally shift over time as you're doing this work, Mm -hmm. um, shape shifter, but I have energetic and sensual right underneath that, that are pretty even and then kinky and sexual. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I'm engaging with a partner who is maybe more sexual, then I might you, but they maybe have like sensual or something kind of underneath that. Then I might try speaking sensual language to them. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're sexual. They're going for that orgasm Mm -hmm. that, you know, the sexual experience, the genitals, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I might use sensual language to say something like, I would really, really love a massage. Start at my feet, go up my legs. No, you don't get to touch there yet. Mm -hmm. That's coming (laughs) because again, the sexual needs that assurance Mm -hmm. for their nervous system. They need that assurance that, Hey, this is coming. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. I just need, need a little bit of warming up first. Mm-hmm. So there's there's ways and there's techniques and there's tools. And that's what this work is is all about when it comes to yeah. relating, relating with a partner. Yeah. So you said you work with a lot of women. Do you have a lot of partners that come in? Do you have husbands that are willing to participate? And or is it wife's trying to fix it on their own or, or women trying to fix it on their own and then trying to take it home to their partner right now. Well, here's the thing. So people coming to me, I always advise do the work for you first. Mm -hmm. And whether that means, you know, whether that means that their partner is along, but they are having their own journey. It's Mm -hmm. really, really important to have your own journey journey first. So you can take out the piece that possibly trying to please or getting Mm -hmm. caught up in this essential shadow, getting caught up in how do I make this work? How do I make this work? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You're You're not about making it work right now. Right now you're about you so that you know exactly what you want and you are developing the tools within yourself to yes, eventually ask for it. Mm-hmm. So you're giving it to yourself first. Mm-hmm. This is where it, it bridges over with that self-love piece. Mm-hmm. When you give unconditional love to you from you, then eventually it impacts the humans around you. But it starts yeah. here. It yeah. starts with you first. Yeah, making yourself a priority first. <clears throat> that makes that makes total sense. I yeah, I love that. So <laughs> here's an interesting question. Going from being a teacher. <laughs> to 
<laughs> moving into this more, I know it's self-love and stuff, but you know, clearly there's a lot of emphasis on the erotic stuff and there is going to be sexual stuff in there. How do you explain this to your family? How was that navigating that? Cause, and I, and I'm only asking this because I think a lot of people, when they're making pivots and change in life may, for some reason, make it a priority to factor in how everyone else is going to feel about that change. Right. So whether it's, you know, whether it's quitting your job at a software place that you've been at for 14 years to go travel the world or, or whatever it might be. A lot of people I think are held back by worrying about other people's opinions, especially the opinions of people that, you know, they love and that love them. So when you decided to move into this, was it a super easy transition? Was it tiptoeing around certain people? How, how was that navigating that for you? So back when I quit teaching and I was moving more into the VA, I made a decision probably all the way back then. I actually created a different Facebook account. All my family is on there. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the other one is for business. So I don't even worry about it. Yeah. So it's just, it's completely separate. It's just just completely separate. Um, my mom knows, Mm -hmm. I think she doesn't really understand, but she's, (laughs) but she does know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that wasn't a super, yeah, I don't know. This is just who I am. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. And I think, again, I think so many people can just benefit greatly from, being able to work with someone like yourself. Um, and you know, I, I have daughters and, you know, I think about how important it is to love yourself first. And I wish that when I was growing up, somebody made that more apparent to me because now as an adult, it's something I'm working through now. And I'm sure that's a lot of your clients is working through, Oh, wait, I I should be a priority, you know? And Mm -hmm. I remember it was something early on when I first started working with my therapist, she was like, here's your homework. And I was like, okay. So I'm like ready for this, like really impactful homework. And she goes, when you need to go pee, I want you to do it immediately. Do not fill up your daughter's water bottle first. Do not let the dogs in. Do not. She's like, I want you to stop everything you're doing and just do that one thing. And I was like, oh my God. And it was so funny because then I checked in with her a week later and she's like, how was that? I was like, that was really hard. And it was really eye opening to just this simple human function of just taking care of myself in that way. Even that was put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. So in what world was I prioritizing anything else if I can't even prioritize that? And so I think again, for our generation and for our kids and, and even for our parents, you know, all of that, I think it's just something that people need to be so much more open about and so much more aware to how important it is for your life and relationships to just take care of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's eye opening. Mm-hmm. isn't it the smallest mm-hmm. thing because yeah. didn't you have did you have the experience where it's like after that mm-hmm. oh here's all these other ways that i didn't even that yeah. i didn't even notice before because you're yeah. so in the rut of everyday life mm-hmm. and it's a constant practice you know mm-hmm. it was in it and it's something too that um you know i'm sure i'm sure men deal with it too but i i talk to a lot more women and so we just um can relate on that level of, especially 
once you have like a partner and if you decide to have kids and all of that kind of stuff, just all of your needs just continue to be pushed back until you make the decision to not allow that anymore. And I just hope for so many people listening that they can have that wake up call before they get to a point of resentment and burnout and anger and, you know, all the things that can come along with it. Um, you know, because I look at some women, older women in my life and I just think like, oh man, you never got there, you know, and, and you, you just, it opened, yeah, it just opened your eyes to how much we need to advocate for ourselves. And then I think again, making that example for our children and stuff, I think is really important. And so now we look at it. I'm like yesterday, I remember I, I did, I ran a bunch of errands, so I didn't eat. And I came home and my daughter was like, I want to make cookies. And I was like, it is noon. I have not eaten a thing. Nobody talked to me until I've made myself food because that is a priority <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, and I feel like a year ago, I would have been like, okay, let's make cookies. And I, you know, and things would have just went on and I just would have ignored what I needed. And so I love, I love that you're helping women step up and go like, no, me first. Although cookies could be a good lunch. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did have cookies after I ate lunch for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, so much appreciate you sharing all of that. And I, I really hope that people will take the time to investigate even further into what it is that you do. I know that I am going to for sure. Um, when it comes to making a change, whether it is prioritizing your self-care, whatever that changes, what kind of advice do you give to people when they're first dipping their toe into making a change to be more happy? The advice I typically give is something that I used for myself when I first started really dismantling people-pleasing behavior. Mm -hmm. And there, every action that I took down to, I was sipping water. And I would just ask the question for whom, like, who am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. Okay. Am I doing this for me? Am I thirsty? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm drinking this water, like down to that little, my, my mm -hmm. right there. Or am I doing this because I'm trying to get a certain amount of water in per day because the government tells me I'm supposed to have this much water. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that small of a thing, mm -hmm. exactly the same thing that you, you, you were talking about with I get to pee when I want to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but just when you're taking an action, when you're doing something, for whom? Or when you're looking at your schedule for the day and you're looking at all the items that are on there, who are you doing them for? Mm -hmm. Is it for you? And it's okay if the answer is no. Mm -hmm. but then you're making the conscious choice I am doing this for somebody else mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. everything feeling like you're trapped and <laughs> you have yeah. no choice in the matter. You're, you know, you're the victim in your own life. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that for me was the most influential start to taking my power back. And I love that. Impression. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Who is this for? I think that's really great. I think that's impactful to remind people that you do have a decision in the matter. Your everyday life doesn't just happen without you, it's, you're a part of that. So you're a part of those decisions. Um, I think that's really, really great. Well, I love talking to you. This was so amazing. I appreciate you so much. 
where can people find you? I know you have an Instagram, you have a Facebook group. What's the best way for people to stay connected with you? Um, I most frequent uh, Facebook, as my okay. agent is used to tell me, that's where all the old people hang out on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Mallory.Kirsten, K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N, dot eight 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 on Facebook. You can join us over in the Unstuck Yourself group. That's facebook.com slash group slash unstuck yourself. And I'm the joy goddess on Instagram and TikTok. And then yes. there's my website, MalloryKirsten.com amazing oh my gosh well i will link all of this and everybody go show mallory some love thank you so much for being here and i can't wait to talk to you again i'll give you a link to the erotic blueprint quiz oh that yes. will put your email address on the unstuck yourself mailing list okay um, i want to be transparent about that but yeah, there yeah. is a free version that'll tell you what your dominant one is and then there is actually a paid version that will tell you what your stack is where you can okay. all five of them so, okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. So she will give me that. I will link it below and I will be jumping on to take my quiz for sure. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mallory. I appreciate you and I'll thank talk you. to you soon. All right. Thank all you right, so bye. much.